So I'm kind of nervous just to talk about myself. You're good at talking about yourself. Yeah, you did just fine in that episode. Shut up. You talk a lot. (laughs) Just did you say? another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Jonathan. And, and, I, and I'm Brecken. <laughs> nice job. <That> was good. <laughs> I, did, I did forget to mention that I was in speech and debate and used to do radio. Oh, there you go. Like, oh, com- oh, you are competitive. I made it to state in, in radio. In radio. And then you met your match. A podcaster. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, another episode of Gem Junkies. And uh, this one's going to be all about Brecken. With some tidbits of, you know, probably my mother. Because <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the parents. Olivia, the other day, did you hear what she said to me? She was eating this, like, dinosaur cracker thing that tastes like cardboard and is terribly disturbing, but she really likes it. And it's organic and healthy, and so I'm just like, whatever, you can eat it. And she tried to give me one. She's like, here, Mom, have one of these. And I said, no, um, I don't really like them. And she looked at me and she said, you have to try it before you say you don't like it. I was like, oh, damn, throw that back in my face. Because literally the night before, we had a whole conversation on how she couldn't say she didn't like the chicken until she tried it. So, mommy issues right there. There you go. (laughs) But you did. I tried it. I tried the cardboard thing because I was going to prove a point. I said, you know what? You're right. So, I tried it and I ate it. And it was terrible. And it was terrible. And she said, do you want another one? And I said, no, I do not like those. And she just went on her merry way after I proved my point. <laughs> or she proved hers. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, karma's a bitch. <laughs> Three going on 30. Yep. All right. All right. So uh, this time we thought we'd uh, continue the getting to know the Jam Junkies by doing a little interview with Brecken. Yeah, and we, we're headed to Tucson. Yep. Um, this weekend. We always troll the shows a little bit before. Yeah. So you might catch us out there if you even know what we look like. <laughs> but we'll be wearing our Gem Junkie pins. I guess so, yeah. We can wear a Gem Junkie pins. So if you see us, like, randomly. Yeah. But I'm that's fine. one thing that's nice about podcasting. No one knows really what you look like. I guess they can always just find you. Yeah. <laughs> they could Facebook stalk us. But but we always troll around all the shows. It's it's my favorite time of the what, year. You gotta see what's out there. What's I around, dance what up and are. down the rock piles. Yeah. At the Holiday Inn show. <laughs> yeah. It's what I do. It is. I am so. I don't know why this year. I am so freaking psyched for AGTA. Like Should so be fun. psyched. So. Let's get this this party started. Oh, okay. This Brecken party. Stop just going on and on about Tucson. But anyway, the pins. We forgot to talk about the pins. The I we AG- just did. Well, the Gem Junkies pins, we'll be wearing them. But if you are a Gem Junkie and you want your own Gem Junkie pin, come you can come visit us at AGTA. Gem Hall, booth 417. Bam, we'll be there in full Gem Junkie regalia. What is that? I don't know our pin. That's all we have. Okay. Just making sure you didn't have some crazy outfit for me. 
I'm not. No, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) So what are your first memories of jewelry or gemstones? My first memories of jewelry. Yeah, I, we know you didn't grow up in the business, but what are your what are your first memories? How old were you? What were you What were you doing? Was it in a store or digging through your mom's jewelry box? What was it? Well, there are two that really stand out, and probably the first one I can remember is my mother lost her wedding ring, and I remember the whole house. I'm the oldest of four kids. How old were you? I was probably, let me, I'm thinking of the house we lived in and when we moved in there. So I was probably eight or nine years old. Okay. And she had it sitting on the counter and then all of a sudden it was gone. And so it was like, I felt like I was Sherlock Holmes. I was going to find this ring. Who had this ring? Where did it turn up? All this stuff. Well, I noticed that she had placed it right next to where we would put the recycling that we would take out to the garage because we had our recycling bin in the garage. And after the whole house had been searched, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go outside and look in the recycling bin. And bam, I found my mother's one carat pear-shaped diamond wedding ring. Wow. Yeah. Look at you, Sherlock Holmes. Look at me. And then the other one was... Probably a couple years later when she was getting a different wedding ring, she was, I guess, upgrading, you would call it, at um, Eddie's Jewelers in Rancho Cucamonga. And I remember spending hours in that jewelry store while she looked at diamonds and picked out settings. And and so that was my first reel. And I remember wandering around the, around the store and the one thing, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an Egyptologist or an archaeologist. And I was fascinated with the Egyptian cartouches. They had uh, little pendants and stuff, so I just stared at those for hours. But anyway, those are my first really strong jewelry memories. So growing up, did you have a favorite gemstone or a favorite piece of jewelry that you wore or that your mom wore? Did you have a, did you have a favorite Um, yeah, so my first piece of, I guess you would call it fine jewelry, I got on my 17th birthday, and it was an opal ring, and that's because I'm an October baby. So they got me a nice opal ring instead of like a class ring because I didn't want a class ring. So they're like, here, have an opal ring for your kind of birthday and graduation. And so I would say that opal... Because I didn't know, I knew I knew the other gemstones, like I knew ruby, sapphire, emerald, but opal and diamond were really the only things that I was exposed to in my house. So opal probably would have been my favorite. But I didn't know what opal could be until I met you. And then I was like, oh yeah, I picked a good favorite. Yeah, and the, and the one that you got actually, it's not bad. It's not bad compared it's, to what you compared see. Compared to what it could be, yeah, yeah it is. It's still it's Yeah, they did a good job. I remember my mom took that ring back to Eddie <laughs> three times to get the opal replaced because she said there wasn't enough fire. Wow. So, bam. <laughs> That's my mom. It would have been really funny if it would have come from us. But it might have. The opal? Yeah. The ring definitely did the not. The ring didn't know, but the opal oh, might have. Maybe. You never know. You never know. How many people were doing calibrated opal back then? No. Plenty. No. Plenty. Yeah, Plenty. it's less common now. Less common now. 
Okay. Uh, so, what was your uh, what was your educational interests in like high school, and then you know going into college? What did you What did you want to do? Well, like I said, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to be like Indiana Jones. I was like super obsessed with that, and so then I ended up getting into chemistry in high school, and I thought maybe science was the way to go for me. And the University of Utah has a great biology and science program. And my dad grew up in Utah, so I had grandma and grandpa like an hour away. So I ended up picking the University of Utah to go to. Um, my grandmother really wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I thought, okay, well, I can do this by going into biology and chemistry in college. And go and, either direction. And then I could go either direction. I could either do like environmental law or I could go be a doctor. I ended up taking the LSAT and decided that I didn't want to be a lawyer. Like, I just, I took it, I did fine. And then you start looking at law schools, and I'm like, there are too many, too many lawyers out here. And so then I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I was dating Jonathan. I was working in a lab. Um, I'd worked in labs throughout college um, on mice, on, my, on mice, mouse eyeballs. <laughs> And uh, then I ended up in a lab where we were screening for the breast cancer mutation in women. Um, great job. Great hours. I worked, what, three days a week? Three days a week, 12 yeah. hours. Three days a week, 12 hours, and I just screened for the breast cancer mutation in women. And I mean, like, come on. Three days a week, 12 hours a day. Yeah, and also you didn't. But work I didn't talk to hours, anybody. But you didn't really I didn't, work twelve hours. No, because no, I didn't. I would have to start. I would have to, you know, start the procedure and the test, and then it would run for ninety minutes. So I had to start the proceed the test like five times while it ran, and then. You got 90 minutes to... 90 minutes in between. I got to hang. Nap or watch shows or <laughs> well, yeah, because come I worked, home and eat with me. I or... worked the, the night shift. I worked uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Because oh the test was in such high demand that it was being Running run 24-7. And my, my shift was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I had the whole weekend to play. It was great. But I didn't talk to anybody. I listened to a lot of Harry Potter books. Yeah. A lot of Harry Potter books on my on my iPod, um, but so I decided that really wasn't for me. I majored in environment. I went back to school and majored in environmental studies. What were you going to do with that? I I have no idea. What okay. did I? I remember do? you going back and paying for it yourself because your dad's like, I already paid for one. I'm not paying for a second. And you didn't go into like a master's. You just. Did another... I just didn't want to grow up because I'm a year, I'm a year ahead of Jonathan in school. Yeah. And so, so I was still in school. He was still in school. I had graduated from college, and I was like, I'm not ready for this. Not My ready dad's for not paying for anything anymore. Even though I have a real job with benefits. Even though I have a real job with healthcare, and I work three days a week, but um, it just wasn't good enough. No, and so I wanted. I was like, well, I could go back to school for another year. What degree could I get that I could use a lot of my credits from biology and chemistry? And so I did environmental studies. And I was, it was actually super interesting. I, I really enjoyed it because I also thought of going into environmental law. And that's when I was still kind of toying with the lawyer thing. So I thought environmental studies was probably a good call. It actually, I mean, environmental studies with what we do. Kind of interesting. It, it kind of 
It all kind of fits. Uh, yeah, Indiana Jones and environmental studies. There you go. Welcome to the jewelry industry. <laughs> so then we moved to Columbus, Ohio. You did some substitute teaching, that and was then rough, you went, and then but I made it. <laughs> you finally got a real job. I did <laughs> my real job. Tell us about that. I worked for COSI, which is the Science Institute in Columbus, Ohio, and I was. I went out on the road. I did like a traveling show. I would go to elementary schools and it was a one man show. So I would have a, a whole auditorium, like 500 kids and me up on stage putting on a science show. And the first one I did, I was a wildlife biologist with the, uh, what fish and fish and wildlife fishing game. And so I dressed like a fishing game warden because I was up there talking about, you know, animals and uh everywhere i would go like i'd go out to dinner by myself because you were you were literally traveling i would drive to kentucky and west virginia and all over all over that region and so i'd go to dinner by myself and i'd have people just come up and ask me like i have raccoons living under my house how do i get rid of the raccoons and i would always say get live trap and some peanut butter and you're fine i just started like making up like i really was a game warden like just making up all all these things like yeah you know I've got this <laughs> and so that was my first semester with COSI I did the the wildlife program and then the second semester I did um, agriculture and I was chef provolone and we would talk about I was a chef and I pretended I it, you know in the audience that we were actually recording a tv show and there were hidden cameras everywhere. And so you're gonna be on TV, and this is a TV show, and I'm Chef Provolone, and we're gonna make a pizza. And my favorite joke of that whole thing was, pizza is Gouda with a little bit of Gouda. <laughs> she was hilarious. I was hilarious. And we, so with COSI, I was a week on the road, a week at home, a week on the road, a week at home. And so when I was at home, I was, video streaming into classrooms all over the country as Professor Gadgeteer and we would take apart simple toys and put them back together and they'd learn all about simple machines and then we had a weather show too but that was some of my that was when we were first married and it was some of my favorite times because Jonathan was traveling with Parlay and he would basically plan his trip around where I was going as well. So Save we would, money. We use would, her hotel room. He would use my hotel room and we would just kind of travel across, you Where? know, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, Kentucky together. So it was really fun. So when and why did you decide to join Parlay? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd always loved jewelry. And I think it was food related. I, I think it was food related. I mean, I love jewelry and I love the idea of, of working with it and the family business. But I remember we were living in Ohio and there was a show in Tampa. And I had been home all day by myself watching, I think, the Food Network. And there was a special on this restaurant called Burns in Tampa, Florida. And it was this amazing, like, farm-to-table. The waiters had to work on the farm before they could be waiters. And people stayed there for 40, 50 years and made huge careers out of it. And they had the largest wine cellar. Privately owned. Private. Cellar, yeah. And I'm watching this whole thing. 
And Jonathan calls me that night and I'm like, oh, how was your day? What, what did you do? And he goes, oh, it was a great day. Show was great. We went to Burns for dinner. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm going to these shows. <laughs> so you... So you had FOMO. I had FOMO. And so I think that's what got me in the business the most. But I, I do love jewelry. And it was such... My mom loves jewelry. Um, it was such a big part of my life growing up that it, it kind of... I think that, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was Burns and Tampa. But I think like all roads in my life were kind of pointing me this direction. Yeah. And when we were dating, you said if you ever wanted to move back to Pocatello... Let me know because this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Yeah. So then I said, let's move back to Pocatello. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we couldn't hire you then because we had just laid off six people because business was tough. Like I yep. said before. And so you, well, to- I told, I, I had a talk with your dad and I said, I want to do this. I, I want to, you know, this is a family business. I want to be involved too because your mom was involved and he right. said, well, you know what? I can't hire you right now, so you need to work for someone else. Why don't you go work retail jewelry? No one in our business, no one in the business has ever worked retail. And I was like, jewelry. challenge accepted. Yep. So I went and worked at Molinelli's Jewelers in Pocatello, Idaho, for about two years, and sold jewelry. What did you uh, What did you like best about that? In retail, what I liked most was the end story. Like, who took the jewelry home and why? Like, is it for a big anniversary? Is it for this? Is it a, is it a remount of a stone because you lost your wife? Or, but just the, just the story behind. It's okay. The story behind it. What home the jewelry went to. This is so cheesy that I'm crying. <laughs> it is so, but it is. Jewelry's a story. Yeah, it's Jewelry real. It's emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm crying because I'm thinking of customers. Yeah, that you helped and that you worked with and the stories behind them and yeah. And I just cry a lot ever since I had kids. Oh yeah, like oh, I just cry all the time. <laughs> I'd known that. I cried before kids, too, though. Come on. In my sorority, they, I would get up and I'd start talking and I'd be crying. They're like, oh, my God, Brooke is crying again. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Next question. <laughs> so what do you do for Parley now? So I left Molinelli's because there was a job opening up at Parlay and, and you and your dad came to me and you're like, you take this job or it could be like another five years until we can hire you into the company. And, um, I took it and I think, I think, I mean, I'm just spitballing now. I can't really remember. That was a long, not that long ago, but, uh, my job has morphed. I was in charge of like, uh, marketing and merchandising. I was a marketing and merchandising coordinator. So I'd deal with like advertising, but I would also deal with trade shows and getting things ready for trade shows and um, ads. If customers needed ads, I had to teach myself how to, you know, become a graphic designer and, and all that stuff. So that's what I started out doing. But now I have given myself the title of creative director. Next, I think will be chief creative because I can do that. <laughs> Makeup titles. Just make up titles for myself. 
But no, I think really what I do is under like a creative director, I do a lot of the design work or I have final say on a lot of the design work for the company. Um, I kind of am the voice or lead the way the company goes in its image and its look and its marketing as far as print advertising and, and all that other kind of stuff is concerned. So I'm creative director what at is, Parlay. What is the favorite part of your job that you do now? I look at when I design a piece of jewelry as like, I love to solve problems. And so I'll pick up a gemstone that we've bought and I'll say, okay, what am I going to do with this? And it kind of becomes a problem for me. And so I go through the whole process of solving the problem and building a piece and designing a piece of jewelry around this gemstone. Because a lot of the gemstones that we use are like, are not cookie cutter shapes. We use a lot of free size opals. We use, you know, free size stones. So it's not like something you can just plug into a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, mass quantity. It's usually my favorite stuff is the curated uh, one of a kind pieces that I get to sit and play with and, and come up with. Where do you get your design inspiration? <laughs> I hate this question. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I, I love jewelry. So I think a lot of it is just what I want to wear. Like if, if, it looks cool to me or I think it will be cool, then um, then I'll make it up or I'll have, you know, the production staff make it. And, and typically that's how it works. Like one of our best-selling rings in Lotus Garnet, I designed it out as part of the line. And then Frank and Jonathan both said they didn't like it. And I said, well, okay, I don't care. I'm going to make it for myself. So I made it for myself personally. And then I think it's like our best-selling Lotus Garnet ring. It's done well. And it's done well. (laughs) (laughs) But just like, I, yeah, just kind of what I, what I would like to wear, what I see a person like me wanting to wear is kind of, where, where I've taken inspiration from. Do you have a favorite piece that you've designed? Oh my gosh, that's like asking me to pick a favorite twin. Um, a favorite piece that I've designed. Yes, I do. But well, I there are so many. I mean, I have... The problem with what I do is I get so emotionally attached to the jewelry that we design and then I, and then it gets sold. And so it's just like a, you're welcome. <laughs> it's like a piece of my heart. It's like, I've got horcruxes, a, another Harry Potter reference, like a piece of my soul is in every jewelry. <laughs> but, um, I, I don't, I, I don't have a favorite. I, I like, I like it all too much, which I think is the problem. I think it's my problem. What are your future goals for the company and for design? And I think that um, as a company, we need to be committed to introducing fresh and innovative product to our consumers, to uh, retail jewelers across the country and in Canada and Mexico. Um, but from design, I think it... I think really design comes from what gemstones are available. 
Um, I was looking at white gold the other day and I was obsessed with white gold, you know, when we first started looking at engagement rings. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Like 11 or 12 years ago? Yeah, 12 years ago. And I was obsessed with white gold and everything had to be in white gold. And now I look at white gold and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Ooh, how could I have ever liked that? Like, and I want everything in yellow. And so I think your taste change and trends change and what's available changes. And so I think part of, part of the role of the designer is to just what's available and make it beautiful and wearable. How is it that since you've come on board, we have won more JCK Jewish Choice Awards than any other color manufacturer. How do you do it? Um, <laughs> she looks up. Me. I look at her. I'm like, I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, I like competition, and I, I mean, I do. I feel like competition brings out the best in me. Like, I, I like. I like that aspect of competition. And so throughout the year, when I'm looking at um, what we're designing or what I'm designing and could this be uh, an award piece or not and what category it would fit into, and I kind of let my decisions on designs be affected by is it going to be in the awards or not. And so I look for pieces that are creative enough and unique enough that they would stand out in a competition. And I think that before me, we just really didn't have anybody that that took the time to do that. I mean, really. Yeah, we just threw mud at a wall. No, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. But like the whole like design process and then taking it into a competition. It, it takes time. Like when we sit down and get ready to enter those JCK awards, it takes me a good solid month of reviewing the pieces we have, getting them photographed, looking at the photographs, saying, okay, this one photographed really well, this one didn't photograph well, and then picking the categories for it to go into. But yeah, so it's, it's a combination of things. Uh, so we've tra- we travel a lot for work and we've gone all over the place. What is the your favorite place that we've traveled? The f- my favorite place. That's like that's again like asking me to pick a favorite piece of jewelry. What are you doing to me? <laughs> um, I loved Australia. Yeah, I loved Australia. Um, I loved Phillips Island in Australia, especially. We went and got to see these little penguins come up after you know being out in the ocean eating they would come up at night and that was a fun excursion yeah and africa was pretty incredible like it's africa stretched me past my comfort limit and it it changed me so maybe africa let's say africa because i'll never be this the same after that trip all right is that it yeah i (laughs) Oh, I have a question, though. Okay. Uh, do you think you see your girls inspired being able to come to work with you guys or having had this be a long second-generation family business? Yeah, like, do we want the kids in the business? I have already had a business offer made. 
I have Zoe, my niece, yeah. who was on the Tanzanite episode. She looked at me as soon as the twins were born because she comes up for Camp Farnsworth and she gets to play in gemstones, kind of like Jonathan did when he was a kid. And she comes up and she said, "Are th- that her first concern when the twins were born was, are the twins going to take over the business? And I said, well, I don't know. They can do whatever they, they want to do. And I said, it doesn't have to be this. And she said, okay, okay. Well, if they don't want it, I do. And I was like, all right, Zoe, cool. If you want this business, it's all yours. We'll just, you know, um, we got to do GIA. We got to get a college degree and then we can talk. But um, as far as the twins, they love jewelry. I think like any little, any little person does. Yeah, any little girl. And they know all their gemstones. And I think it's hard once you've, I mean, look at Jonathan, right? It's hard once you've been exposed to it to ever leave it. Yeah. Especially, you know, when it's a family, it's when it's family legacy. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, they can do whatever they want, doctors or lawyers or whatever, you know, just like my grandma. <laughs> there you go. So. So then Thank you for listening to another episode of Gem Junkies. Yeah, it was fun. It was kind of scary talking about myself. Yeah. Yeah, but we got through it. Yeah. We got through it. There you go. So if you want to see what we do every day. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Parlay Gems. And come and visit us in Tucson. Come and visit us in Tucson for your Gem Junkies pin. Bye-bye. Booth 417. Bye, guys. Bye.